1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, all the way from across the pond, wherever that may be, is Mr. Parascience himself, Mr. Stephen
0: Parsons. Good afternoon, evening, Ron.
1: So you're not
0: Scottish, right? No, no, I'm English, but I live in Wales, so it gets complicated. My no, wife, no, my, no, my no, wife's no. Welsh, and therefore my son is half English and half Welsh.
1: Okay, there's gotta be so a it's, joke. There, but I can't complicated. It. Yeah, don't mention sheep. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, welcome to Ghost Chronicles International, right here on Tojinet PowerX, Ghost Channel and Beyond. And so, did you see my post on uh, Facebook? By the way, my uh, if you you can friend me, uh, Ronald Kolick. Ronald. That's English, you know. Um, anyway, <laughs> I posted this thing about um, this poor fella who got eaten by his own pigs.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've been following that story, and uh, I, I did actually put a post. That we should all eat more more pork and get our own back.
1: I agree. I agree. You know, but this isn't the first time this has happened. I don't know if you knew that.
0: Um, it's the first time I've come across it, certainly. I know that people with domestic animals have, have been nibbled by their cats and dogs after expiring. And monkeys.
1: Home. In the United States, we have a rash of uh, face-eatings by monkeys, but that's that's another story. Monkeys? Mm, monkeys, yeah, monkeys. Good Chimpanzees, God. monkeys, any of your uh, primates... Uh, But anyways, actually a couple of years ago, uh, I think it was a Czechoslovakian woman, uh, the same thing happened to her. She was knocked down by pigs and feasted upon. But she survived and lost only an ear. How to make a silk purse out of a woman's ear. (laughs) No joke out of that one. Anyways, uh, thank you very much. I I appreciate that. Uh, Let's go right along. And we have a gentleman who maybe can understand. Actually, explain to us why we are being attacked by our, domestic, uh, our uh, domestic animals. And he is Mr. Brian Saunders. He is an archaeologist and paranormal researcher. So, Good Brian. evening. Right. Good so evening. How tell- are you? <laughs> yeah, better than nothing. Can you tell us why we're beating, being attacked by pigs and animals and monkeys and stuff? What the
0: hell's that got word, to do with
3: archaeology? In a word, no, I can't.
1: That's all, no. that's all I asked. It was simple. You never know. You, may not, you might have had this minor degree in, I don't know, animal
2: psychology. don't no, yeah,
0: Ron,
1: how, how do you make the link from pigs to archaeology? I, I don't know, but I love archaeology, so there you go. Uh, I love pigs, I guess, evidently. Uh, but anyways, Brian, you are, were you an archaeologist first or a paranormal researcher first?
3: Um, I was quite lucky, and they sort of all blended together at about the same time. So, uh, But my first love purely is definitely archaeology. Um, it, literally, I was very, very lucky in the fact that we used to live next door to uh, an archaeological site In my hometown that was one of the largest Roman temples ever excavated in Great Britain and I got to have a look at what they were doing on a near day-by-day basis. Uh, I had very accommodating parents that would encourage me to go and have a look at what was going on and took it from there really. Uh, My interest in Ghosts and specifically hauntings probably erupted about the same time when the whole Enfield Poltergeist case got splashed across British media newspapers at the time. So, very lucky.
1: So, when was the uh, Enfield Poltergeist case in time-wise? That was about June
3: 1977 off the top
1: of my head. So, it was rather recent. I, you know, I never realized that. I mean, I heard of the case, but I never r- realized when it occurred. So yeah, really, edu- if
3: you recently. Edu-
1: yeah. yeah. Very educated me today, so that's that's amazing in itself. Uh, Stephen, you're still there. You're awful quiet.
0: I am. Be- well, <laughs> well, Brian doesn't need any help from me. <laughs> yeah, <but> I do. <laughs>
1: you're a kind man, Steve. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, archaeology – it, it, have you done? Let's see. Uh, how's the mini digs? I guess is is, is or excavations or whatever they are.
3: Yeah, before before I had my son, I tried to do as much as I could wherever I could. So uh, across Britain, I've been on quite a few. And uh, so if you actually go, so on, on, on.
1: Primarily Britain.
3: All exclusively Britain. Yeah, I've I've yeah. not done
1: anything abroad at all. Cool. And. Have you noticed any paranormal activity in in any of these digs that you've done? Um, I haven't,
3: actually, as it goes, no. Um, I have noticed a large amount of archaeologists are very, very interested in in parapsychology and paranormal research, though. Um, It was actually a discussion I was having at the... ASAP 30th conference with the people that were sitting around the table that I was on, um, and of the people that were on there, three of them were archaeologists, and the other one was C.J. Rome, and he's got a very very good knowledge of history and archaeology in itself, so out of a table of ten, you know, there, there were four of us that were very interested in archaeology, three of us that were doing it as a living, effectively. Well, I, and
1: that's all I find that fascinating I mean because uh, well I mean you the archaeology you are, are investigating I guess you would say is primarily uh, Roman and British archaeology I mean that, that, have, yep go ahead
3: that, that is my specialty, Romano British funerary archaeology actually
1: okay I mean are there any I mean have you noticed in any of your your research about uh, what the feelings of the people that you are excavating or uh, believed in as far as spirits and stuff i mean is there any evidence of that in, in like any of the temples or or any uh, any material that was dug up
3: some of the earliest ghost stories are actually uh, ancient greek uh, but the Romans certainly had a very, very active belief in the afterlife. If you were actually rich enough to be able to afford a decent grave monument, it was nearly always begun with the words, or with the, the letters D.M, which is Latin, it's uh, an abbreviation for dis manibus, which literally means to the spirits of the dead or the spirits of the departed. So they, they clearly thought that, uh, or at least the Romans at least, uh, thought that when you died, there there was somewhere that you would go. Uh, and presumably looking at some of the other, not particularly in-depth monuments uh, from, for want of a better phrase, Celtic people in Britain, um, there is an argument that because they had an established uh, belief system in gods that there, there is a reasonable assumption that they had a belief in the
0: afterlife Think Ron's just died there, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I no actually, uh, you, you talk about the DM on the on the, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. the Roman uh, tombs. Uh, it reminds me that uh, for the last two or three years, um, we've been trying to distance ghost hunting from paranormal investigation, yeah. um, and we were actually looking at terms to use and from the Roman uh, because they had various names for the different types of spirits as you well know um, we, we, we selected manisology as being a kind of appropriate description for the Excellent. branch of research that we're doing um, and it it, it was easier than lemurology, because people would just think we we're after lemurs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Even though it's spelled completely differently as well. Yeah, but you know what people are like. Um, well, if they, so
3: if they're not lucky enough to know a little bit of Latin and don't realise, you can't blame people. I mean, Latin is look- dead language, effectively.
0: Well, I did it. I had to do it at school. Um, so, what, you look for lemurs?
3: Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's bad
0: enough being in a group called Parascience because we forever what parasites um, <laughs> but Manosology I think I think it's actually you know we've got ufologists we've got cryptozoologists and we have paranormal investigators and yeah. you know being lumped in together with, with all of these other um, branches of paranormal research is actually a little misleading to, to the ghost hunter to the psychical researcher um, the term "psychical investigator" tends to, you know, give people the impression that you're, you know, of the psychic persuasion. Parapsychology tends towards, uh, you know, the, the assumption in many that it's a branch of psychology. So we were looking for a new term and manasology. Actually, I think seems to fit the bill quite well. So all ghost hunters well, out minute, What there. About, what about uh, the geistology? Geistology? Ghostology? um there's no, yeah. no no problem with that we just wanted something yeah. latin
1: well
0: it's german
3: manisologist is a fabulous word i mean
0: if well, copy right in now and send it to the Oxford. No, i've already it's sure it's been it i've actually done some articles on that very subject um oh, call what? me a manisologist so uh, yeah ghost hunters out there change your title you're all now manisologists It'd be yeah, awesome well, if everyone yeah, actually did fine. do that. Um, and not
3: only that, on, on a on a serious note, of course, it would differentiate when when people say paranormal researcher. Most people instantly think of ghosts, but of course, paranormally inverted commas uh, can be anything. It could be the study of people that are looking at miracles or UFOs or right. even cryptozoological animals. It, uh, does cryptozoology come under paranormal research? Probably. Well, I'll tell you what
0: it does. Uh, do. Is it zoology? <laughs> it does remove the, the assumption that what uh, when, we're, when we're looking at ghosts and hauntings and apparitions and poltergeists, it actually removes the assumption from the title that it's, it, it may not actually be paranormal. You know, call yeah. yourself a paranormal investigator, you are by default investigating the paranormal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ghosts may not actually be, or all ghosts may not actually be paranormal. So, so I mean, man- I mean, like, manisology, I- or
1: ghostology... Well, well, Dr. Wood is a uh, para-anthropologist, right?
3: That's uh, yes. Dr. Hunter, isn't he? Jack Hunter? Oh, yeah, Jack Hunter.
1: I'm
0: sorry. My yeah, we, we have paraanthropologists, and we now also have an archaeo-parapsychologist. <laughs> That's John Seibel, <Sable>, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, there's also paraphysicists. Paraphysicists. What's a paraphysicist? Um, it's a physicist who studies the paranormal okay. we have two or three in the uk now um, who title themselves as paraphysicists and in fact there used to be is it was it there an institute for paraphysics several uh, maybe 10 15 years ago whereabouts was that there it wasn't was. i'm, I'm sure.
1: sure was it
0: was it in the uk i'm sure i'm sure there was a uk institute for uh, paraphysics
3: didn't yeah, last very long
0: <laughs> yeah, go- <laughs> um, yeah google it um you're living in london with your 40 50 meg broadband <laughs> just outside but yeah but, it's lovely. but, it, but it is it important it. It, but it, you know it is important that we do recognize that, that ghostology manasology is actually really a multidisciplinary uh, pursuit because if you you know, well, Essentially, we 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 need to call upon um, environmental measuring specialists, so so people who are used to physics and measuring the environment, measuring temperature, pressure, humidity, and all those variables. We need to draw upon social historians, archaeologists, psychologists. A whole, you know, there's a whole raft of uh, different specialities that contribute to the area of of uh, Our research, and but I don't it's, think it's, you can be an not, expert in all of them,
1: isn't that like, like, even medicine? In medicine, you have you bring in all kinds of. I mean, for instance, if anybody who's doing chemotherapy, they bring in physicists, uh, they're part of the program, so it's, exactly. it's exactly. multi multi uh, layered as well. I mean, multi um, whatever I can even, can even think today, but that's what I, I mean. I that-
0: that, that's exactly true, Ron. But what we don't get in um, in parapsychology is that multidisciplinary approach. Because often parapsychologists, and and there are there are you know certainly experiments and papers that, that demonstrate this, uh, parapsychologists doing physics badly, um, and because because the uh, the results are peer reviewed by other psychologists who really don't understand the physics. Um, oh, that makes gets, sense. Yeah. It gets it gets put through as an accepted, and, and perhaps the most uh, one of the most uh, obvious of that is is, is in the areas of infrasound research and also in electromagnetics, where parapsychologists have gone out and measured infrasound or conducted infrasound experiments, or experiments that involved the measuring or the production of electromagnetic fields, and of, and the physics is just poor. Hmm. So, anyways, what's this got to do with archaeology? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was giving Brian a chance to Google paraphysics. There's loads and loads.
3: There's loads on paraphysics. Um, Probably the newest one I've found for the UK is the Paraphysics Research Group, uh, and they claim that they are looking at the science of RSPK, Recurrent Spontaneous Psychokinetic Phenomena, Uh, And they've had some papers published in the Journal of the Society for Psychical Research. So that would be a good place to start. Uh, But looking on this website that I've got in front of me, they don't appear to have done anything since 2010. So maybe they've actually changed it, but they've just got that website up. And incredibly, it's called www.poltergeist.org.uk,
0: which... uh, Really, I'm, I'm, I'm virtually. There really, used it? to be there used to be an institute for paraphysics. Um. Yeah, there is one in America as well, um, which is literally the Paraphysics
3: Research Institute dot org. Um, but they seem would be looking at it far more spiritually rather than physically, so I don't actually know what they call themselves, the Paraphysics
0: Research Institute, but I haven't really had wow. a chance to oh, yeah. read Let's all the way through their uh, website. I, th- I think you've got to be careful when you start nitpicking over names, because uh, <laughs> you know we, we have psychic and science over here. I know who the psychic is, and I can't figure out who the scientist is. Oh, I
1: do. I, I, it's, it's Richard.
0: I wasn't going to say that.
1: Oh, Oh, I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> and there's also paraphysics Com, uh, oh, and what are they looking at?
0: Welcome to the Google uh, Show, ladies and gentlemen. Pop your Google <laughs> request into the Put chat the room because work, you know. Yeah, uh, pop your <laughs> pop your Google request into the chat room because Brian's got forty meg broadband and we can pull up <laughs> stuff pretty quickly. <laughs> forty? Uh, I'm on
3: Virgin Super Duper. I don't even know what mine is at the moment. But, uh, it's at the hundred meg? <laughs> So, yeah, I think um, so. Do,
1: you, do yeah. you think that we need? A, do we need a college to specialize in paranormal research with multidisciplines? Is, is that something that will solve this problem?
3: I think a multidisciplinary approach to any science is probably where it starts. Before it starts to develop its own skills, techniques, um, even vocabulary and even specialised equipment. But to start with, I mean, with regards to, let's say, haunting phenomenon, if I was going to investigate there, i first of all got to know exactly what I'm trying to measure. Until I know what I'm trying to measure, there's, there's no point in me at attempting to qualify any real data, for one of a better phrase, on, on what constitutes a ghost so what I would do is go in and try and measure an environment the problem is, is if I only go into a location two or three times and, and try and record that environment to what extent am I making an accurate piece of science i mean just because i'm suddenly getting a drop in temperature at a specific time in a specific place in in a house for example uh, does that mean it's paranormal or does it mean that at this point the boiler comes on and creates a a, an effect in the rest of the house that that causes a skew if i don't know that then my data is going to be skewed that's the first problem so you know we we would look at other ways of bringing in other scientific disciplines that would look at that. Once we've sorted out what an environment's doing, then maybe we could start to look at how people are perceiving ghosts, if ghosts are real. I don't know they are. I don't know they're not, though. uh, And other such problems as that. So I think a multidisciplinary perspective on that is
1: essential, really. Well, I'm not going to particularly agree with you because I don't see why you can't have Simon uh, invest, uh investigator or discipline, in other words, investigate people. Uh, you know, look at the psych- psychological aspects of, of the oh, witnesses so and so forth. That. But still, do okay. the well, environmental stuff.
3: If you bring in a psychologist, is that not a multidisciplinary approach being taken straight away? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so, what I was to do we need a Do we need a college to train these experts? not discipline what what
0: we what would be an advantage is is a shared forum uh, perhaps a conference or a seminar where we can actually get these uh, guys from other specialities who are interested in in the paranormal in ghosts and hauntings and other psychical phenomena where we can we can get together uh-huh. and swap ideas I think that's a good idea I
3: think the first
0: thing that anyone who's
3: interested in doing informant research has got to overcome there is just the ridicule the majority of scientists that claim to be sceptical I would argue are cynical rather than sceptical and I, I think that is a problem
0: I think that is a real problem is it, is it is it real true cynicism or is it fear of coming out of the closet for fear of uh, funding loss? Because it's very very easy for a para, for a, you know somebody who's doing anomalous psychology or parapsychology to gain uh, accepted funding, research funding, for example, for doing the Gansfeld again. But if if they then applied for research funding to investigate a haunted house. Yeah, absolute problems. Absolute problems.
3: Um, yeah, it, if it's university, you know, and you, you, those would probably be the ones that you really would want to engage in that sort of in depth, at least beginning in depth, so that some form of methodology could potentially be agreed on. And those are exactly the sorts of people that you do want. And yet you do have the exact point that they would lose funding. I mean, Uh, To what extent would a professor of physics say to his funding body, I need, you know, £10 million for a particle accelerator to do this, this, this. Oh, and also, can I have £100,000 because I've got a bunch of students that want to look at the physics of a haunted house? Um, It doesn't matter how eloquently he writes it, people are going to view that in his funding bodies with very raised eyebrows.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, and also his colleagues are going to...
1: Yeah, yeah yeah so I mean the, the cynics are, are somewhat forced to be cynics. I mean I, I mean I remember seeing a, a study out saying that uh, of uh, all the atheists that were surveyed, 30 percent of them pray. so there's something interesting in that and they're cynical because they have to be cynical, but in in their own personal beliefs, they may not be as cynical as we believe they are.
3: Well, absolutely. I mean, it's quite interesting to note how many Nobel Peace Prize winners are actually religious. uh, And I'm sure lots and lots of them have won Nobel Peace Prizes for varying disciplines of science. Mm -hmm. So if they can believe in a god, which is, you know, depending on the definition you want to look at as a god, uh, a gigantic high spirit, why can't they actually say, let's have a look at the potential for humans that are Supposedly of that god to actually expand
0: themselves into the world post mortem. I'll tell you what's really interesting though is in the past that there have been historical figures, uh, men of science, uh, Sir Oliver Lodge. Um, being, you know, one name that springs to mind, uh, you know, one of the key, um, the key inventors of the radio. Um, you also have William Crooks, the American chemist Robert Hare. All of these great men of science who who approached psychical research from a, from a a point of strong sceptical belief, um, mm. and moved into a, What was Edison's position?
3: Because he thought he could um, make some form of device to communicate.
0: Well, well, again, before we get on to Edison, what what I was just going to finish saying is that these men, uh, these scientists, physicists, and chemists came from um, the point, they approached the research from a point of view of of almost stoic skepticism and moved to a point of strong belief after, after undertaking their own, you know very lengthy over you know often tens of years uh, research into the subject they moved to a position um of public belief and i find that to be absolutely fascinating you know what was it that convinced these these men of science these hardened skeptics that there was something there you know that that, that was tangible and and worthy and put and that they were prepared to go out on a limb, write books, and stand up in public in front of their colleagues, you know, where uh, Lodge uh, sorry, Barrett uh, stood up in front of the Royal Society and declared his belief um, in spiritualism. Mm. Were, yeah. they, were they, as, as is often claimed by, by the modern generation of cynics, sceptics, uh, mere dupes, you know, that, that they were, you know, silly men? Um, you know, we're dealing with you know people certainly you know on a par with today's top scientists um, you know the guys who work in the particle accelerators in, in under under Switzerland the the Nobel Prize winners you know these guys were on a par with them so Absolutely. you can't call them mere dupes oh no no you can't uh, not not when they've contributed
3: to the world as much as they have done so. Um I don't know. What would it take anyone to stand up and change from a sceptical perspective to a total non-sceptical perspective? Um, I don't know what it would take for me to do that, to be honest. And I'm certainly not in the same league as, as some of the people that have been mentioned before and nowhere near. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a mere molecule in the uh, the grand design of, of of intelligent men and women that are looking into, you know, real physics, real chemistry, science as a whole. I'm, yeah, but be,
0: before before we if go I'm to the break, yeah. But before we do go to the break, um, there's one there's one thing I'd like to, to maybe just touch upon and maybe answer afterwards is.
1: Well, you have to uh, do it in about thirty seconds.
0: I'm going to. In archaeology and astronomy, weren't all the great discoveries actually made by amateurs? Break time. Mm-hmm. great right time, we'll discuss it after
1: <laughs> so anyways, we'll, we'll answer that question afterwards, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Parascience himself the great Stephen Parsons and of course the humble Van Helsink and our very special guest is archaeologist, I'm still trying to hide get this archaeology into the conversation here, and paranormal researcher Brian Saunders and we'll be right back after the following messages right here on Togenet Power channel and beyond.
2: Welcome to Togenet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics, like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation.
4: The kooky, mysterious and spooky They all talk ugly kooky The Parrax family The shows are paranormal Not stuffy but informal The topics are abnormal The Parrax family They're strange Deranged Unrestrained So grab your favorite brew It's time to rendezvous As we give awards to The
1: Parrax family
2: I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, we'll say scares me. So, anyways,
1: if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then.
4: Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places, and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem Witchens, Sean Porter, and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests to step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com or call 978 740 9783. Happy Halloween!
1: Yeah, back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Steve Fossens and Ron Kolak right here on Tojanet Pararex Ghost Channel and beyond. Our very special guest today is Mr. Brian Saunders. Speaking about weird things, I do want to mention some of the events we do have in coming up uh, this month. On Saturday, October 13th, 13th we have the Victorian God, cigarette Victorian garden seance, where we will have a Victorian tea, and then we will meet under a hundred-year-old rhododendron plant and conduct a seance, which will be conducted for him by a member of the Spiritualist Church, and that will be in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Also, on Wednesday, October 24th, we have Dining with the Dead Ouija Boards. We will have Jason Rivetai, who is one of the largest collector of Ouija Boards, and his lovely uh, witch wife, uh, Heather. And we'll be looking at some of the uh, history of the Ouija Board and some of the cool samples he has. And at the end of the night, of course, we will conduct a live Ouija Board session there at the Haunted Windham Restaurant in Wyndham, New Hampshire. And finally, one more I do want to mention, which is really cool. It's the Gothic Night of the Living Shadows, and this will be conducted at the VZ Estate. Basically, the night will be uh, – it's kind of hard to describe. It's a combination of magic and paranormal, and we will be looking for the identity of Jack the Ripper. And it ends with a midnight Halloween seance, a Houdini seance, where we actually have a Houdini artifact and we'll be conducting that and attempt to contact Harry Houdini to so see if he can reveal us who Jack the Ripper was. So that's something you definitely want to check out. That's all on the website, anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. So there you go. Aren't you just jealous, Mr. Steve Prossin? I'm incredibly jealous. I'm also incredibly...
0: Uh, how, how do you get the link between Houdini and Jack the Ripper? Wouldn't you like to know? Yeah, I'd love to know. I'd love to be there to find out. And also, I hope you've taken precautions to stop the Houdini artifact escaping.
1: Oh, we will. We will. <laughs> we have actually, we have an electric chair there too, which uh, will be put into use as well. This is all. Oh, I to- could
0: think of. Uh, yeah, I could think of a few mediums I'd like to put in an electric chair. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Now, no. are
0: you psychic? <laughs>
1: <laughs> True or false? <laughs> Just like the, uh, thing. Yeah, there you go. Unless you're good looking, <laughs> you're going to get Zach. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, I know this is going to lead into our guest because I understand he's working on some cool equipment, but uh, I sent you a link for a Ghost Meter Pro 2. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, I did. Um, another you fascinating... fascinating. I, I, you've bought three of them, haven't you? No, have more fa- fascinating more fascinating bits of equipment. And as I said at the time, you are indeed a paranormal god. I know I am. I know I am.
1: That's all right. Anyways, Brian, I understand that we're talking with Brian Saunders. Uh, I understand that you are also working on or have developed some uh, pieces of equipment for the paranormal. Um,
3: Well, I wouldn't say that. I've got some ideas, um, and I certainly would like to make them. And... My electronic skills are not the best, it must be said. Um, I can turn on a television, but if it blows up, that's the end. It. I'm good at changing fuses. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of ideas that would hopefully attempt to illustrate that either ghosts, if they exist, A, let's say that they do exist, let's say ghosts exist, that, that would illustrate that, that ghosts either can communicate uh, via such things as a Ouija board and it's not idioma response or indeed they can't Um, and Steve and I in a separate conversation um, had also because he he pointed out some very very good good issues with with what I was looking at Um, we've looked at a way that we could potentially bypass the communication versus uh, PK issue Um, and I really, really need someone with some decent electronic skills to actually grab hold of me on Facebook. Uh, it, it would be very useful.
1: So, so Brian, are you saying that you, you have, uh, well, I mean, you just have the, the idea of making something or is it even feasible? That's what I'm trying to get at.
3: Oh, it's feasible to make, to make what I want to make. Uh, yeah. There are two. I mean, I'll, i I'll, I'll deal with the, with the first one, um, because the second one, I think, may be a little more viable.
0: The first can one... I, can just... I, sorry, Brian, can I just make Go sure on. that um, it's your idea and I don't want anybody nicking it, so be careful what you say. Yeah, that's...
3: My...
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> okay. It's an, an interesting multi-purpose electronic type of Ouija board, um, mm-hmm. but it has other parts on it as well that that actually will then allow you to actually effectively prove whether or not something is being used via idiomotor or not. And Mm -hmm. I I think it would be useful. Um, So there's that one. And then the other one would actually almost certainly with the experiments that we've got in mind, um, circumnavigate the entire PK issue.
0: I think what Brian, what Brian uh, when we had the conversation, what Brian was quite concerned about is addressing a lot of the key issues with experiments that deal with uh, testing of these hypotheses. For example, you know, if you have a group of people around a table and Faraday uh, back in the 1850s was mm-hmm. also perplexed and um, troubled by the fact that people were tipping tables and communicating with spirits using that method and he devised a, a quite simple apparatus with a double top table where the two tops were separated by springs and mm-hmm. and showed showed you know uh, positive results that in fact the movement the initial the the, the power in, in effect the um was coming from the sitters um and not directly from the table um, itself so the spiritualists responded quite quite you know readily with well of course we know it's us we're supplying the power but the spirit right. is supplying the intent um and the the the, the intelligence behind it um well, what brian what brian was concerned about is designing an experiment that that would demonstrate whether the motive power or the the communicating uh, intelligence could come from the sitters or could come from a non Human discarnate spirit. So he
1: can he can separate that. Is is that what
0: I'm hearing? I well, I'm trying to. I'm trying <laughs> with, not to, without
3: giving away what without we giving away the, at. the experiment
0: that Brian's got because it, right. you know if you if you give it away too soon then you know You're in right, the world Brian, of the paranormal else. ten people will do it and it, it, it'll yeah, be absolutely. meaningless. But um, Brian has has
1: come up with a, well, we'll, an experiment we'll that does seem to address so this. We'll separate the two. Yes, I believe yes. it would. <laughs> so th- that's so. not giving anything away. That's just kind of a direct answer to the
0: I mean, question. if the experiment, if the experiment is, is done using the controls and protocols that Brian's put into place, then I think it would seriously challenge anybody um, to explain um, where, where – I mean, assuming that some communication is, is, is received, uh, to explain a normal uh, source for that communication.
1: Oh, very interesting. And and the, the first one about the Ouija board, I mean, how is it? I've seen like, uh, you, you know, where they take the discs and they put the discs over the planchette so that if anybody pushes it, you just push the, the disc off the planchette. Is that any different than from what you are doing? Or-
3: um, yeah, I, I've worked out a way to completely... You know, irrespective of whether people have got their their hands on a glass on the board or, or not um, I've worked out a way to a, test the veracity of people that say oh look at the lights on my K2 meter they've gone off, it must be a ghost talking, um, you, you can test that fairly simply with the first device that I'm thinking of okay. making um, which would actually indicate then whether actually something intelligent irrespective of of whether it was the first human that ever walked the planet or, you know, somebody who died just yesterday has actually got any form of sentient intelligence to interfere with an electronic object.
1: Yeah, Steve actually actually came up with an idea in front of my paranormal study group about a lead box with a K2 meter and a, a thick glass top on it to cut back on... Uh, EMF interference, and I, I think that would be highly effective in itself and rather simple to make.
3: Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure it would. Um, but would it actually a give heavy. you? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, the prototype
0: um, the prototype exists. It's 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 here. Well, it's, it's it's in the same room as me now. It's it's a a box that would contain a K two. Um, it's made of four millimeter lead. We call it the coffin. It's just bigger than a. <laughs> it's just bigger than a sort of standard emf meter but it contains an emf meter and it's got um shielded uh glass um so a k2 meter operating inside it Uh, plus the thing is also electrically grounded um Mm -hmm. and we know from doing experiments uh with with it and uh, a much more sensitive emf meter that currently no electromagnetic waves are able to penetrate the coffin so uh, if a k2 meter operates
1: inside that that works only on the premise that that spirit does not produce EMF. Well, it
0: the K two meter works solely on the basis that, and this is according to the to the makers, and it's also according to the users. So, those who who have explained the principle of the K two as to why it receives or interacts with spirit, they say that the spirits are manipulating the K two electromagnetically. Yep. So, if um, if we isolate if we isolate the K2 uh, electromagnetically then we should kill it. Um, we should stop it functioning entirely. But interestingly, if, and as some theorists, you know, some, some spiritualists explain that there is another mechanism um, and that the spirits can directly interact with the meter regardless, uh, it, you know, of, of how it's functioning, mm-hmm. then they claim that the EMF meter, the K2 meter inside the, the lead box will be able to uh, signal a response.
1: Absolutely. And that that premise, you're right.
0: So that's got to be, I mean, it's built, it exists, it's been tested out. Uh, We haven't actually done the experiment because um, we've been a bit short of
1: mediums who are willing to sit down and spend an hour chatting to a meter. Well, you're just going to have to come over here and I can find you all kinds of mediums that will chat to anything. Well we'll bring it over when we have <laughs> little chat to anything sure why not oh yeah they talked they talked to maglites why not right my my first I mean when i when I first started paranormal investigating I didn't believe in mediums I thought well, charlatans and uh, unfortunately until I met Maureen then that kind of changed my mind but uh, my one of my first experience was with a medium who would and I went on an investigation. I got invited to go along, and she would talk to a China cabinet and then go and talk to the owner of the place and tell her what the rat said or whatever. I don't know that, what that had to do with the China cabinet, but it did. And so I, I just couldn't understand it. And then, of course, I saw it Most Haunted, and then I understood everything. Uh, I saw the light that really that she wasn't talking to the. China cabinet, of course, she was, as Derek Okora was, with talking to her, Sam. And Sam was really relaying the – she was relaying the messages from Sam. So it all came crystal clear to me at that point. Ah,
0: so so her spirit guide was in the China cabinet. Evidently, that's what happened, yes.
1: That's cool.
0: Only in America. (laughs) Do you really need – Sorry, can't see. I was just going to say that Sort of. I was going to say that's bizarre. But I once went to a public event where I was called over to have a look at ashtray divination. Ooh. Now there's a first.
1: Wait, wait, <laughs> wait I, I'm intrigued by this. I'm, I'm uh, ready to you, try uh, my
3: next like, investigation on Friday. I don't, I, uh, I can do some ashtray divination for you right now. You smoke. I'm gonna just like read your mind. Saying you got bad breath, and you are so much more likely to die
0: of lung cancer. I don't mm. need to be psychic to say that. No, oh, no, no. This this ashtray divination session ended with the uh, lead investigator having a stand-up argument with the evil spirit that was trying to possess him. Um, through, uh, and they were arguing whilst was it the divine nicotine, even- perchance? divining via an ashtray um but Ron there's another there's another great thing that's being um put about I meant to ask you about it last week um, because uh-huh. you're the only person I know who actually knows how the
1: uh, stone tape projector works oh, yes I mean I, I I had to sign a uh what do you call it a a secrecy uh, thing but yes it, it's an amazing piece of equipment perhaps uh, the greatest scientific breakthrough of the 21st century, uh, uh, and it was designed by my good friend, Mr. Richard Felix. So I, I'm really honored to be part of this. In well, fact, it stole the idea from me. So,
0: well, we're trying to figure it out because we're looking at photographs of it. Um yes, yes. We can see there's a, what looks like a plasma ball, a
1: smoke machine. Yes, yes. I, I can. Um, I can. If you're a brick. right wrong, but I can't tell you how it works.
0: Well, we don't know right. how they're connected. How, how, how do you connect a brick to
1: a plasma ball and a video projector? Well, see, that's the whole thing. That's the magic, is it? No, it's, it's, you've got to understand the, the dynamics of the stone tape theory. Okay. Not, we know that certain ghosts or spirits, what we like to call residual hauntings, um, up appear they' are not but they 're not intelligent others they don 't interact, so they are nothing more than a recording that is trapped in perhaps stone. but what releases these spirits so this is what this generator does. it releases these spirits to be seen oh, and of course like, everyone in the fo- in the theater takes a picture at the same time. And it's clearly evident by the number of uh, ghostly photographs that are captured um, that this this is the greatest breakthrough of the 21st century. And no mention of paradolia, of course. Oh, none of that at all. Um,
0: we need to uh, roll some dice. Oh, do we do Are we running out of time already? We are. Oh, oh so fascinating. Ten to nine. <laughs> are these your Xenodice, Steve? Yes. It's time for the Xenadice experiment and... Um, for all of oh. those who are going to participate in it we 've got to give them an email address to send their results into
1: right, which is uh, what info at calcooper.com? <laughs> uh, cal,
0: cal, uh, it, it's contact, at calcooper.com, contact because, at calcooper.com. because cal is going to analyze the results of the next four shows worth of xena uh, things so briefly, there are five symbols on uh, uh, there are five symbols in the Zena card deck. That's the star, the cross, the circle, the square, and the wavy line. And we have five Xenna dice with the symbols on. Um, And with them being six-sided, there is a sixth figure, which is the secret figure. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the sixth one is. So there are five Zena symbols plus another symbol and we're going to roll the five dice. Uh, people uh, write down your results and email them to Cal, and then I believe you're giving it out like, a prize at the end of the end of the month, Ron.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. We're giving away a pair of uh, Cal's underwear.
0: Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that'll
1: work. What's second prize? Two <laughs> pairs. Oh, wait a minute. That's not good. <laughs> he does wear underwear.
0: Well, not his own, anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, we're now, ready for the first night So He'll be back are, soon We are going to give away a good prize And, and I guarantee that uh, We definitely will do that uh, We want everybody to put down Five times we're going to do this So put one, two, three, four, five And then put whatever symbol You believe that uh, Steve is going to roll Next to number one That'll be the first roll, number two, the second roll Third roll, fourth roll, so okay. And then send it to contact at calcooper.com. And you will be entered into this drawing automatically, whether you're right or wrong or indifferent. And at the end of the month, we will give uh, the results of this, won't we, Stephen?
0: Yes, we'll, we'll give out the results of this week's dice throw next week. So you. No, I think we should wait till the end of the month. Oh, okay, we'll do it that way then. All right. Yeah, so. Okay, got to, dice one. You've got to keep track of this, though. I will keep track of it. Dice uh, one. Counting on you. You ready? I'm ready. So everybody concentrate here goes the first dice. That's dice number 1. Dice number 2 coming up. That was dice 2. Dice 3.
1: How come that did twice?
0: Bounced off the t- off the table. Mm. But it caught it. Dice four, and the final dice, dice number five.
1: That's it. There you go. So whatever results you got on those five rolls, send it to contact at calcooper dot com, and you will be automatically entered into a drawing for a really cool prize and. I will guarantee you this is going to be a cool prize. And um, that's it. It's right or wrong. It doesn't matter. So, Brian, did you do it? I did. Okay. So send it in to Cal. I know I'll, I'm going I'll, to. I'll send it in to Cal. Um,
3: but what's, what, what do you want me to put for the the missing symbol?
0: Ah. You've got to tell us what the missing symbol is, right? If any- oh, can, can I say it now? No. no. <laughs> just put it on your bit of paper. Oh, okay, Because
3: I'm just making an educated guess, of course.
1: I will, I will tell you what. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody guesses the miss- missing symbol, we will have a special uh, prize for them.
0: Well, the thing is, I mean, you can buy these dice commercially, so if I've got them, you know, if anybody else has got a set, they're going to see what the sixth symbol is. I want oh, them to guess God. it.
1: You didn't tell me that, Steve. What, do you think I made them? I thought they were special, you know? I mean, you've got this cool stuff from the London. Yeah, they are. They well, well, well they are special, but... Well, stuff, I thought this was ancient stuff and... What, you can buy them at
0: the joke store. Wonderful. No, you can't buy them. I don't think you can buy them any longer. At least I can't find them anymore. But they were the only time I've ever seen them on sale was about ten years ago at an SPR conference. I've never seen them since, or I've seen. But that doesn't mean that somebody else didn't buy. I mean, you know, other people bought them. So, but they okay. do have a, a sixth
1: symbol. There you go. So, anyways, um, we talk about that. So, when you, I mean, you, Stephen, you did research w- with the the special devices from the London Ghost Club, right? Ghost Census Club, or whatever it's called.
0: Uh, yeah, Cal and I borrowed some devices from the Society for Psychical Research. Did, did Brian have any preview of that? Uh, no, uh, this was just Cal and I. Um, uh, okay. We'll be publishing – that. that's out, I think, in the October edition of the um, SPR uh, Paranormal Review magazine. Excellent.
1: So I I know that we are running out of time. Brian, uh, what have you got coming up, if anything? Did you want to push? Or um, certainly what are you doing in the future anyways?
3: Right now I've got a backlog of data and video stuff to look through from about all – about a year's worth of material Um, so at the moment that's taking up part of my time um, and a lot of it but in between that I'm still missing about on Facebook um, and I'm still hoping to find someone who can help me out with my electronics project so if anyone is interested in doing that please get in contact with Ron or Steve and I'm sure they can um, forward you my email address but um, it would be appreciated
1: Mm -hmm. You know you know what we really need, Brian, and I think you're gonna agree with me with this, is and Stephen as well. We need an independent group to look at our evidence.
3: Yeah. Independent verification is the
0: first step to peer review. Right. Other words but we do we, we do have peer review, although it's slightly
1: flawed, but No, 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 yeah. no. We don't we don't even get to look at it. We just give it to them and let them look at it.
0: In principle, yes, I'll agree with that.
3: Yeah, isn't that what Cal's going to be
0: doing with these uh, experiments? Because you're not going to see the data, are you? I, I won't have a clue about the data, and Cal doesn't have a clue about the results. So. Right. Uh, so it is is a double-blind experiment that we're doing.
1: I'm just thinking about all these hours and hours and hours and thousands of footage and sounds that we capture in investigation. We should be able to send this to someone and let them review it. Don't you think that's a great idea?
3: It is, but you've got to take into account the person who's viewing it may be biased. Um, So maybe if you experimental effect. (laughs) Well, there is that. Maybe if you viewed all of your material uh, and listened to all your material and took out the parts you thought were relevant, and then sent it to someone and saying, "What do you think of this, 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 and this?" Um, and can you explain it in these particular ways or are there other ways that might be a way forward or literally just send the whole lot to somebody? If everyone does that, then somebody will be very busy forever and we will probably leave yeah, I, like, you
1: know, I don't have to go through all this crap. I mean, uh, all this data. My uh, can, can <laughs>
0: crap, I'm with you. <laughs> can you imagine the poor sod at the other end, what going through $10,000 pictures every month?
1: Yeah, well, you know, we can give them a couple of quid you know, Oh, It'll couple be worth of quid for me! I'll tell you that much. Oh well, I mean, if
3: someone's going to send me ten thousand orb pictures to actually just look through, and they're going to give yeah. me a couple of quid, I'm your man. And send all you've got to do t- is t- sit t- there and go, "Yep,
0: that's an orb." Yep, das, 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 yep, inset, that's that's an orb. That's
1: an orb. Well, Brian, thank I, you mate, so mate, much. I'm you nice. 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 Thank you for being so much on the show. For being on, on not the not show, uh, we are. have got the two We're just about out of time. And, uh, Stephen, as always, thank you so much for uh, putting up with me. And, you know, it's lots of interesting stuff. And if anybody has any ideas or suggestions they would like to tell us, certainly you can uh, write to uh, uh, contact at calcooper.com. And any complaints about the show, certainly send those. (laughs) So thank you all, guys, and have a good night. Good night.
0: From goalies to ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that go bad.